Hello, hello, beautiful people of the world. Welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. I am your host, the one and only Damani, none other than the tiger himself, back to deliver you the weekly news, lifestyle, and analysis content from the wonderful world of combat sports. Now, let's not waste any time. Lee Wood, Josh Warrington, the battle for Britain was absolute scenes. Truly boxing and what it means to the people at its finest. Now this is a real rivalry, as real as it gets in the sport of boxing. This is the kind of community rivalry that I hope boxing in America achieves one day. This fight between Lee Wood and Josh Warrington was so deep that football was even involved. Josh Warrington is a major supporter of Leeds United and Lee Wood heavily backs Nottingham side. Club Nottingham Forest as Per usual, you know that boy was rocking the little scarf. You know, anytime you're stepping out to a football match or you're just outside on a cold winter day, sometimes even fall, depending on where you're living, it might get brick a little earlier. But repping that scarf, it gives you so much power. And I'm sure that's what Lee Wood was feeling. Speaking of scarves and club support, the football hooligans, yes, from both clubs aligned the stands for the historic world championship fight, creating one of the best boxing atmospheres I've seen in a very long time. I'd argue that the crowd for this match was more energetic than Canelo's crowd last week could ever hope to be. Just take a listen to the buildup of the fight and the way the two men were talking. It got spicy crowd was hot and even during the face-off these boys were chatting football and boxing share so many similarities working class sports played and fought by working class people rivalries built up over the years passed down from generations to generations Nottingham Forest versus Leeds is one of those rivalries on October the 7th live on the zone it's a rivalry that will play out in the ring as the current WBA featherweight champion Lee Wood will take on former two-time IBF featherweight champion Josh Warrington before they meet in the ring they meet here. This is Wood versus Warrington. This is Face Off. Alright, how does the fight play out? Josh, you first. Josh Warrington win. Yeah. That simple. Simple. By any means necessary. <laughs> By no means necessary. Yeah. I'm the new. And the new three-time world champion. Lee, how's it play out? I believe he was going to make the same mistakes he makes and do the same things he always does. Um, mistakes? I'll say I can't say. I can't say. But, um, you know, I, I know that I'm going to be dominant um, majority of the fight. I'm going to beat him up in times as well. Yeah. I'm here to win and, you know, it's that easy to win as well. Um, but I know what I need to to win and I'm confident doing it. You laugh when he said mistakes there. Make mistakes? What mistakes? Yeah, I'll make mistakes. We all make mistakes. All make mistakes. Eat a battle. Yep. Josh made a big, big mistake. Probably one of the biggest mistakes of his career. He got his ass cooked. He got cooked. Hey, you didn't go down like that, huh? He got cooked. Josh Warrington fell short of greatness against Lee Wood, but that doesn't mean his performance was lackluster. Josh Warrington is one of the best fighters on the planet, and he proved it against Lee Wood on October 7th. On a weekend that features Zordo Ramirez and Joe Smith Jr. battling for cruiserweight supremacy, 
Wood and Warrington put on a true boxing classic for the British crowd. And in classic Lee Wood fashion, he came from behind to win in spectacular knockout. But it was Warrington's willingness to come forward and brawl that created the incredible result. Let's give him credit where credit is due, y'all. Y'all know I'm going to keep it 100 on the DQ with Damani podcast. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Wood gave a great performance, but it wouldn't have been possible without Warrington wanting to come forward. If Warrington wanted to run, he could have done that. He's a smaller man. He's got fast feet. He definitely knows how to keep his guard tight and not loose. He could have ran. He could have danced around the ring, but he didn't. And I like giving credit where credit is due for fighters who make these fights great. Doesn't take just one man. It takes two to tango, y'all. Don't forget that. Warrington managed to hurt Wood to the body and to the head with lethal left and right hooks, applying physical pressure during and after his combinations. Several times throughout the seven-round featherweight world title contest, Wood found himself pressed against the ropes. This is because of Warrington's ability to chase his opponent around the ring, an ability I praised Canelo Alvarez for last week. If you watched last week's episode, you know I was giving that man massive praise for cutting the ring off. And once again, cutting the ring off is an important part of a boxer's offensive playbook. The only difference between Warrington and Canelo is head movement. Before Canelo throws any shot, He'll peek his head slightly out of the guard and move his head off the center line. Sometimes he'll throw a feint to bait his opponent into throwing a shot while he's taking his head off the line. But neither of these offensive weapons were in Warrington's arsenal on the night. It was gone. Vanished. Invisible woman. Fantastic forward on him. Crazy to see that happen to him. But Warrington took his head off the center line when he was on the outside. Not when he was on the inside. And that, I think, was most definitely what gave Wood access to the shot that knocked him out. Warrington was really committing to his shots. He fell in love with throwing and landing. And that can provide an opening that your opponent might need. A very hurt and wobbled Wood was able to find that opening and landed a devastating right hook. As Warrington reeled from the shot, Wood blasted him with a left hook, stepped back to allow himself space like Shakur Stevenson, delivered another crushing right hook, another left, and as Warrington's knees crumbled, a final left to ensure he wouldn't get back up. The first shot generated a massive roar from the crowd, and the combination was what set them alight. Those people were going crazy in there. Wood rejoiced with the crowd as he defended his WBA featherweight championship of the world, and the boxing world showed support for the triumphant champion. You love to see it. So what's next for Lee Wood? I know everybody's been asking, so let's take a look at the featherweight division right now. Lee Wood can rest easy for the meantime as his spot at the top of the division has been secured with his victory over Josh Warrington. Brandon Figueroa sits just below Wood at the number two spot in the featherweight division. Figueroa also carries a WBC interim championship that he won after defeating Mark Magsayo back in March. The current WBC featherweight champion is Ray Vargas, so it's definitely time for him to vacate or defend his championship belt against Figueroa. Ideally, a fight between Figueroa as interim or full WBC champion and Lee Wood would do great numbers. We know for a fact that Lee Wood can sell out. We also know that Brandon Figueroa, he has a solid, solid Mexican fan base. So there's only one way for this fight to go. 
A lot of people are really scared that the UK's market for boxing and the American boxing market are too different. People aren't going to know this name. Other people aren't going to know that name. But I can assure you that everyone knows who Lee Wood is. Everyone knows who Brendan Figueroa is. Of course, we know, like I just said, the Rasa community backs him heavily. But I am sure that there are many people outside of just the diehard boxing fans and the Rasa community who most definitely know who Brandon is. Now, I know you guys are going to hate it, but you know we have to talk about it. This fight may be difficult to get done, considering both men are on quote-unquote opposite sides of the street, with Figueroa currently signed to Al Heyman's premier boxing champions, and Lee Wood, the current champion, is signed to DAZN slash Matchroom. The WBO featherweight championship is currently held by Robesi Ramirez, who has been on a tear recently on top rank with wins against Satoshi Shimizu and Isaac Dogbe. And we have Lopez, Luis Alberto Lopez, who is also stuck over at top rank. It's getting crazy over at top rank. They got a nice belt collection over there. They had Shakur. I believe Shakur has one more fight and then he's a free agent. So top rank's pretty stacked when it comes to the lower weight classes. Of course, Lopez, the IBF featherweight champion of the world, is locked up, which means a fight between himself and Lee Wood would also be difficult. Like I already said, Robesi Ramirez also at top rank. That would also be difficult. So the only champion left is Hector Andres Sosa. He is the current IBO featherweight champion, and he fought James Jaza Dickens for the championship on Disrupt Promotions in Saudi Arabia. The title picture at featherweight is incredibly troubling. It's very similar to what's about to happen at 135. Belts are free. Belts are scattered. Belts are locked up across party lines, which means it's going to be incredibly difficult to get fights signed. Only two of the five champions share a common promotion, and the WBC has both a world champion and an interim champion. The hopes of Lee Wood unifying are high, but with such a heavily divided set of belts, how can he make it happen without putting his career on hold for too long? The boxing community is going to have the answer very soon. Oh, man. Joe Smith Jr., the common man. The man who retired Bernard Hopkins, the timeless wonder. Well, let's just say he put on quite the performance against Zurdo Ramirez. Yes, our boy returned. It was clear from the very first round that Smith wanted to land a big knockout shot and finish Zurdo. But Zurdo had other intentions. Zurdo was able to make his way inside and out with his superior ring IQ. And it seems that people really forgot that Zurdo knows how to box. I find that a little absurd. You guys know, like I always say, week in, week out, I'm going to keep it 100 on the DQ with Damani podcast. The one Bevo performance set him back heavily in the boxing community, the combat sports community as a whole, and it may take some time for him to recover. But he showed good composure in the ring with someone such as Joe Smith Jr., who has more than enough power to knock out the top contenders in the cruiserweight and light heavyweight division. I'll be honest, this isn't a diss. It just really seems like a physical characteristic of Joe Smith Jr. Sometimes he's a little loose with his guard and he gets caught with looping shots because it seems like 
he has no idea what to do with his arms. He moves around the ring and he seems to drop them a little bit, then pick them back up, then drop them a little bit. And it's not like he's peeking his head and rolling off the center line to the left or to the right. He's just genuinely just shaking his arms. And it might be because they're too long or he feels comfortable doing it, but he really gets caught over the top a lot because of his guard. His guard is a little bit loose. I'm sure his coaches tell him to do that so that he feels more comfortable and his arms don't get tired. But it is something that I noticed across the 10 rounds that he fought with Zurdo. He was able to catch him with looping overhand lefts, looping overhand rights, and a few hooks that didn't necessarily come over at an arc. One thing that I really liked about Joe Smith Jr. that I think is very important, it should be important to you as well, was the fact that he continued to apply pressure despite the fact that he missed. I'm going to say that for you guys one more time so that it really sinks in and you understand how important this is. No matter how many times Joe Smith Jr. missed, he continued to come forward and apply pressure. Too many times we'll see guys miss big on a shot and they'll sit back sometimes they'll take a couple steps back they won't even just sit they'll literally throw a shot miss big and just sit back joe smith jr came forward missed big with a winging shot and continued to press zurdo forward against the ropes he kept pushing zurdo backwards he stayed on his back foot pushing him forward making him move backwards into the ropes driving him into the corner he continued that forward pressure people get discouraged when they miss a shot people get discouraged when they get countered but joe smith jr was not that guy on the night he continued to make an effort no matter how many times he missed a shot no matter how many times he got countered on the outside or inside in the pocket he made sure that he continued to put on a good showing for the crowd a good showing for the judges, and a good showing for himself. Because despite the fact that he lost, he could watch this fight back and say, you know what, I might have missed that big left hook. I might have missed that. I might have missed that uppercut. But did I stop? Absolutely not. Did I, did I admire the fact that I missed? Did I feel disappointed and allow my opponent to come forward? Absolutely not. I made sure that regardless of how many times that situation came to pass, I applied pressure on my opponent. I didn't give my opponent a break. I didn't give my opponent the chance to reset and measure where he needs to be offensively. There were no breaks for Zurdo, and I love that. All right, y'all, let's get straight into the location has finally been announced for David Benavidez and Demetrius Andre. Very excited to see what's going to happen with the rest of the undercard. I am not entirely sure it's been confirmed yet, but the plan is still to have Jermal Charlo defend his WBC middleweight championship against Jose Benavidez on that November 25th card. If Jose is able to lock in that fight, the combat sports world will be in for a treat. The Benavidez brothers are relentless in the ring and their talent has reached every corner of the world. Their influence is so deep that Jose got a main role in Michael B. Jordan's Creed 3. I love that movie. I know a lot of people kind of felt it was lackluster, could have been way more in the film, but I was satisfied with it. I don't know about y'all, but me personally, I love that movie. 
We already know how Jamal Charlo is feeling. Man's is going through it. Let's keep it real. His twin brother just lost the biggest fight of his life, and his own legitimacy as a champion in the middleweight division has been questioned one too many times. Not a lot of people have faith in Jamal Charlo right now, so I want y'all to just take a listen. Hear what Jamal had to say about Canelo and his brother's fight. All of them up. None of them up. None of them wanted to fight. I, I didn't try to fight Canelo. I got a contract signed with Canelo. After he fights my brother, he has to fight me. So we're going to triple team that bitch. Come get it. Come get it. I'm the same mob, bro. Come get it. I'm better. I'm better than I used to be. So let's go get it. Gave the fight to my brother, and I'm going to still fight Canelo, nigga. Once y'all see my brother go up two weight classes and try to fight Canelo, then y'all gonna wanna see me fight and watch. I'll be back on my shit soon. Hey, <laughs> look, I don't know about y'all, but it sounds like Jamal is charged up. He sounds ready to fight. Hopefully all that energy is being applied towards Benavidez and not Canelo. Wrong Mexican, because his chances of landing a fight with Canelo Alvarez are currently extremely low. Let's be honest, he's not checking for a Charlo no more. After he fought Jermel, <laughs> any, any chances of a Charlo being in the ring with Canelo again are settled. It's not happening. We know that. Benavidez should be up next, and then a unification. The perfect roadmap, in my opinion, for a return for Jermel Charlo wouldn't even include Benavidez. But it's clear that PBC and Al Heyman want Jermall to challenge himself on his first fight back. If I were the matchmaker for PBC, the first thing I would do is get Jermall a tune-up fight. I've discussed tune-up fights on this show before, I know, I know, and I've talked about them positively and negatively. Usually for a champion, I wouldn't be too happy about it. There have been plenty of times I've come on here and I've chewed people out for wanting to take a tune-up. Y'all know I don't like it. But Jamal is an exception. Jamal has been out of the ring for two years now already. Throwing him to the Lions on his first fight back would be crazy. That is absurd. I would book Sugar Shane Mosley Jr. for a tune-up, then ammo Austin Williams. And if Jamal gets past both men, I'd either book a WBC championship consolidation fight between himself and WBC interim middleweight champion Carlos Adames or a big title defense against Chris Eubank Jr. Nonetheless, I have high hopes for Jamal and I hope that he makes a big comeback to prove all the doubters wrong. Oh, yes. Sweet success. The only thing, once again, the only thing stopping Jamal Charlo is Jamal Charlo. It's him versus him at this point. No one's gonna stop him. Now, back to Demetrius Android. I don't know why people are still doubting this man. Why are you people still doubting this man? Like he doesn't have power. Like he doesn't have ring IQ. Like he doesn't have great shot selection. It doesn't make sense to me how we keep having this same situation happen over and over and over again with Boo Boo Android and people still aren't getting it. It's the same situation that we've seen happen with people like Edgar Berlanga. Although, of course, people keep saying the same thing about his opposition. Obviously, he's gonna have to you know, work that out in the matchmaking room. But same thing, 
people talking down on him saying, oh, he's not talented. Oh, he's going to be stuck in the lower ranks forever when he's already won a world championship in more than one weight class. That's such a confusing statement. But hey, this is boxing. This is combat sports. This is what people have to deal with. This is the reality of being a combat sports athlete. You're going to have people discredit all of your achievements so that they can feel better about themselves, so that all of their narratives that they come up with in their own head and disseminate across social media, they understand, yes, I'm right, I feel good, because I told this world champion that he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve a title, he doesn't deserve any big fights, he doesn't deserve this, that, and the third, and I know that I'm right. Meanwhile, these fighters are sitting at home money in their hands belts in their in their display closets looking at these guys like they're clowns because they are but hopefully same thing demetrius andrade is able to come back silence all the doubters just like jamal trollo and all will be right with the world so a couple of things before we wrap up this week brian mendoza tim sue this weekend that boy Tim Su want to knock out Brian Mendoza so bad because he is fiending, thirsting, hungering for the opportunity to fight Jermel Charlo after that Candelo performance. That boy is thirsty. He needs this fight to end fast because Jermel fighting Tim Su, that's pay-per-view. That's pay-per-view. I don't care what anybody says, that's pay-per-view in America, that's pay-per-view in Australia, and that's pay-per-view in the UK. That is a pay-per-view fight. I'm not hearing anything else. And anybody who disagrees with me definitely does not know boxing. This is a pay-per-view level fight. And I need there to be no doubts that Jermel or, or because you know I, how I always say I'm not counting people out, or Tim Sue is the man in the division. We need proof. We need proof. We can't keep going around one belt here, three belts here. You can't have guys going on social media saying, I'm the one, I'm the guy, nobody else is touching me, and they haven't fought yet. We need this fight to go through. And I'm hoping that Tim Su comfortably beats Brian Mendoza. Because if he does... No injuries, no cuts, doesn't have to be out for too long. That fight could be made immediately. Contract signed immediately. We know what fight is next. Now all we need to do is give him a couple months, let's say three to four months for training camp, and then we get a fight. That's the kind of results that I want to see from this. But it all depends on what goes down. This weekend, Brian Mendoza, Tim Su. WBO championship on the line. We are, of course, finding out now that the WBC championship will not be on the line in the 154-pound division. We were hoping for a unification match between the two men, but obviously that has not come to pass. So we'll just settle for one belt. Do you remember Brian being around fight week then? Because he fought after you in a swing bout. You know what, when I fight, there's nothing else that matters. I'm not thinking about anyone else, so no, I don't remember. Had you ever heard of Brian Mendoza at that point? No, I haven't. Who's the bigger puncher in this fight? I believe I am. 
Uh, it's just, you know, just off the fact that, you know, I have more explosive one-punch knockouts. I've done it just, you know, single shots, and I feel like his, his fights are more often... Uh, he's a big puncher, but it's more combinations, you know, and he definitely breaks you down and everything, but I feel like his, his biggest uh, highlights are off uh, combinations. Your thoughts? Yeah, fair enough. So he's the bigger puncher? Well, look... Uh... Big punching doesn't win fights, so I'm not here to argue and debate over who's a bigger puncher and prove it with different analysis and evidence. If he thinks he's the bigger puncher, so be it. Simple. As you guys just heard there, these two are very respectful. They know that they both have knockout power. Both men are champions. Both men have to prove to the world that they are the best and have earned the spotlight. Tim Su is making a lane for himself through taking this fight, and so is Brian Mendoza. I can't wait to see how the fight turns out. October 15th, Tim Su, Brian Mendoza, WBO Super Welterweight Championship of the World. Wow. Just wow. Two major power play moves for the UFC. USADA is out. It is confirmed. Just Five minutes ago that USADA and their business partnership with the UFC is terminating. They are finished. No more USADA testing. There has been no word yet on whether or not the UFC is going to be hiring out another doping agency. But if there is no USADA and no doping agency, you know what that means. Conor McGregor is coming back. All the pieces are falling together in the right place for Conor McGregor to come back without having to take any steroid preventative testing oh man it's gonna be crazy i can see all the conor mcgregor fanboys turning up right now on every single social media app that is accessible right now they are on there turning up because they know that conor's gonna be able to come back with usada being gone in other news in the mma world ufc specifically oh paulo costa what's going on just receiving news once again that my man is not going to be able to fight this weekend. He needs a third surgery that will need to be completed on Friday evening. Therefore, he is not cleared to fight the demon, the crusher, the Chechen legend, Hamzat Chimaev. In a shocking turn of events, I know all my MMA heads, especially Jack, are going to be hype about this. Kamaru Usman, the former champion, is stepping up to the plate. Ooh, this is going to be a spicy fight. Oh, man. Especially considering how major the buildup for the fight was. All of that hype, that energy, it's all gone. And then from the shadows, steps out. Kamaru Usman, the former champion of the division, saying, I'm going to save this card. But wait, there's more. Islam Mahachev versus Alex Volkanovsky 2. Yes, you heard that right. Same exact reasoning. Charles Oliveira is injured. He's going to be out for a short while. We are hoping that this injury is going to set him back for a considerable period of time because that fight was going to be amazing. But now we have an even better fight on our plates, yet another rematch in which the reigning champion definitely lost. Now Volkanovski has a chance to redeem himself against the Dagestani 
bruiser. We know what's coming next. We absolutely know what's coming next. All the sheepskin hats are going to be flying. All the Aussie flags are going to be flying. You know for a fact that that crowd is going to be turning up. So make sure whether or not you are tuned in to boxing, you got an extra screen up for the MMA action that's going to be happening this Saturday. So one more thing aside from, of course, the uh, Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis card this weekend. Yana Beck is returning. Yes, the exact same weekend as Tim Sue. This time looking to unify his WBO middleweight championship with the IBF championship against Vincenzo Guartieri. Vinny is undefeated currently at 21 wins and no losses. Yanabek sits comfortably at 14 wins and no losses. The Kazakhstani native has been enjoying a lot of success recently. A whole lot of success. Yanabek has nine knockouts to Vinny's seven. Vinny's last three fights all went the distance, while two of Yanabek's last three were all won by knockout. This fight is going to be very, very interesting. It's not a secret that Yanabek has high ring IQ. There are so many breakdown videos of his technique that it makes me dizzy just talking about it. One thing that I feel that Yanabek can exploit is the fact that Vinny opens up way too wide when he throws that left hook from Orthodox. He drops his right hand low, just like Ryan Garcia does. And I can clearly see in all of his prior matches that he's wide open to the body and to the head, just like Garcia was. I've said it plenty of times on the show. Dropping the guard when you're throwing a shot is instant doom. Instant. When you drop your rear or lead hand when you throw a shot, you're just asking to get sent to the shadow realm. Come on, y'all. You're going to wake up in the locker room wondering whether or not the fight is over because you forgot to bring your right hand back up. You got to bring that hand back up, man. Southpaws, bring that left hand back up. Come on, let's get it together. Hopefully, Vinny Guatieri gets that sorted out before Saturday because Yanabek is coming to exploit all of the gaps in his defense. All of them. Every last one of them. Oh, no matter what you are watching, MMA or boxing, make sure that your streams are fired up. All your subscriptions are paid for if you're watching illegally. Um, <laughs> you got your food, got your bevs, all your family, friends, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend are all around that television as Islam and Volkanovsky go to war. Hamza Himayev and Kamaru Usman go to war. Yanabek and Vinny Guatieri go to war. Keyshawn Davis gets back in that ring. And plenty more this weekend. Tim Su, Brian Mendoza, the list of names goes on and on. Make sure you ingest some combat sports this weekend. If I find out that y'all are listening to my show and not actually watching, we got to get a sparring session going. Put them gloves on. Get that headgear and mouthpiece on. Let's go to work. <laughs> of course, I would like to extend a big thanks to everyone who shows up week in, week out to listen and watch my show. Thank you all. I am incredibly blessed to bring you all the best news, lifestyle, and analysis around the beautiful world of combat sports. This is your host, D-A-M-A-N-I, the Dominican, the Tiger himself, certainly not Tony, good old Damani. Be safe and God bless you all. Thank you.